I don't think this would surprise anyone. I don't, I don't think you'd be surprised by this, but I'll tell you anyway. People tend to ask me for directions to restaurants. They want to know where they're going to eat. They ask me directions. For, I don't know. I guess I look like someone who's had a meal or two in their life, you know? But if someone is traveling, they will ask me, do you know any good places to eat in Indianapolis? Do you know any good places in St. Louis? Do you know any places here or there? And I'll say, what do you want? Are you looking for burgers? Are you looking for sushi? Are you looking for, are you looking for Cajun food? Do you want Cajun food? I know some great Cajun places. But I can get you there. I can give you the name of a restaurant. I can give you directions to that restaurant. I probably could draw you a map. We're talking about the Beatitudes as a map to Jesus. I could, one way or another, I could get you to a place where you could have a good meal. So we're making our way through the Beatitudes. These blessings found in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're viewing the Beatitudes through the lens that's been given to us by that wonderful TV series, The Chosen. And when the Beatitudes are introduced to us in the last episode of the second season of The Chosen, we are told to see them as a map to Jesus. Jesus says to Matthew, if anyone wants to find Me, these are the groups of people they should look for. And so along the way, we're finding road signs that point us to Jesus. Road signs of needs. Different needs that people have. Needs that we've all felt. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We've known that kind of poverty that within ourselves, we do not have what it takes to save ourselves. And so we mourn what we don't have. Blessed are those who mourn. And today, we continue on that map through some very basic needs of hunger and thirst but this is not hunger for food and this is not directions to my favorite restaurants this is this is something that's going to require grace Matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 seeing the crowds he went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. (laughs) You hear it right there. Not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for cheeseburgers. Not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for whatever kind of pizza they've got back where they used to, where they grew up, and that special kind of pizza that they have. A hunger and thirst for righteousness, for something that only God can supply us with. And we would have to confess, righteousness is something we have a hard time defining. What do we, what do we see as righteousness? What is righteousness? And, and in fact, there's two of them here. Blessed are the meek. We have a very hard time defining what meek is. So meekness and and righteousness, is this about us? Is this about God? Is this about the other people, those groups of people around us? How can we hunger and thirst for something when we're not even really sure what righteousness is? I confess, I get that feeling about 8 o'clock every night lately, and I go to the refrigerator about 8 o'clock, and I open the door and I look in and I hear Trisha's voice from the other room. Are you hungry? And I say, well, no, but... And I look in our refrigerator for something, for anything. Our very well-stocked refrigerator. I, I look in there and, and I realize you know, I'm still full from dinner, 
but something is, something's missing and I, I try to find anything, anything in there that might look good and I stand there and nothing looks good and I don't know about you, but for me, that's when I go to the pickle jar. You, you a pickle jar person? I love pickles and we have, we usually have like three different jars of three different kinds of pickles in the fridge and I'll pick out a pickle and you know, I figure it's pretty, you know, they're high in salt, of course, but they're very low in calories, so I feel good about it in that regard. So I'll grab a pickle, or I'll, or I'll grab an apple. Again, low in calories, high in fiber. <laughs> That's helpful. Uh, anyway, so I, I pick something out like that. and it, it, It's not that I'm hungry. It's that I'm not satisfied. I'm just not satisfied with what I've taken in that day. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And, and I wonder if desiring this kind of blessing is kind of like me standing in front of a very full fridge at the end of the day and just being not satisfied with what I had for dinner. I think we would all have to confess, whether that's your habit or not, I think we'd all have to confess, we, we tend to fill ourselves with things that are not good for us. We tend to fill ourselves with stuff that, that just isn't good for us. It is a horrible habit. And it is a difficult habit to break. We don't eat because we're hungry. We eat because we're bored. Or we eat because we're sad. Or we eat because we're having a problem here, a problem there. We, we don't eat because we hung, we're hungry. So, so it's not that we're hungry and thirsty. It's that we've filled ourselves with the wrong things to start with. And if we're doing that physically, it should not surprise us that we also do it emotionally. It should not surprise us that we also do it spiritually. And so instead of opening our Bibles and feasting on the Word of God, we turn on the TV and we start watching the news and we listen to opinion after opinion. And some of those people with their opinions, they get angry and then we get angry with them or sometimes we get angry at them. But in the end, we're not full of the things of God. Or we pick up our phones and we start scrolling, right? And you scroll through social media. You scroll and scroll and scroll. And when you're done, you're full. <laughs> full of what? I don't know. <laughs> but it's not anything good. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, it's a, it's a hard word for us to define. And, and again, it doesn't start there, but the blessing right before. Blessed are the meek. Who are the meek? They will inherit the earth. How do we define what meek is? It's hard for us to define. It must have been even harder for Jesus' audience to hear that word because meek was not a virtue in the Roman world. It was not looked upon as something that you should strive for. Meekness in the Roman world was weakness. You were a Roman citizen. You should, be, you should be proud to be a Roman citizen. You are the pinnacle of the achievement of the gods. You had every right to be arrogant about being a Roman. What would you want to be meek about? And so we struggle to define what is meekness. And the best we can come up with is that you know, meek is gentle. Uh, meek is, uh, is humble of heart. We'll say that. Meek is, is having a true view of yourself. Not an inflated ego and, and not one where you put yourself down all the time, but, but meekness is having a true view of yourself. I really think that the Apostle Paul comes across what's probably the best definition biblically of meekness for us in in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, where he calls the Philippians, he says to them, count others as more significant than yourself. In other words, be willing to take the back seat when the back seat needs to be taken. 
I came up with my own definition in keeping with the, the blessings here, in keeping with that idea of hungry and thirsting for righteousness. I came up with my own definition of meekness. Let me see how this grabs you. Here's how I see meekness. Meekness is the right, the right kind of hunger. Do you know what I mean by the right kind of hunger? That kind of hunger where you worked hard all day. That kind of hunger where you came home and you went to bed and you were a little hungry when you went to bed. And when you wake up the next morning, you've got this pit in your stomach telling you that you're missing something and you need that pit filled. It's not just that the bacon smells good, but you need that. You need to be filled with good things. Yes, bacon is a good thing. Praise God for giving us bacon. Anyway, and so you, you break you break the fast, right? You breakfast. You break the fast. You fill yourselves with good things. Things that you long for. Things that you need. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. It doesn't say that they haven't had anything else to eat. <laughs> it doesn't say that they haven't gorged themselves in the past on bad things. It doesn't say that they're hungry necessarily. It says that they're not satisfied. We could just as easily say that we've come to the realization that what we've consumed cannot sustain us. What we've allowed ourselves to, to consume, whether it is through the television or through social media, through conversations, through the things that we've heard, the things that we've said, the things that we've put into ourselves, those cannot sustain us they are not healthy it's not giving us what we need and so i wonder do we need to stop and ask ourselves have we have we numbed our hunger for the things of god have we numbed ourselves and our hunger for the things of god have we so filled ourselves with the things of this world that we're no longer hungry for the things that only god can supply. You know, if we're viewing the Beatitudes as a map to Jesus, this is where we make a course correction at this blessing. We make a course correction because the direction that we're going can no longer sustain us. The direction we're going will not sustain us. And even more, the direction we're going will not sustain the people around us. We, if we're not satisfied, we can't offer them anything that will satisfy them. So it's become a warning to us here but it's a warning that's been there since the beginning it's a warning that god's people have heard from for centuries i want to take you back now in the old testament to the book of amos you might have a hard time finding amos he's back there in the old testament uh, if you get to obadiah you've gone too far does that help yeah go back a little bit we're gonna to go to amos amos chapter 8 if you're using those blue bibles in front of you it is page 769 also if you're using the Bible app, it is available today. We got the notes uploaded this week. So who is Amos? Well, if you're old enough, you know he's Andy's friend, right? That's who you remember Amos as. But some of, I don't think anyone's that old here anymore. So who is Amos? Amos is a prophet. He is a minor prophet because his book is little and he's only writing to a few people. Uh, Amos is a minor prophet in the Old Testament. He's, a lot, he's living about 750 years before the time of Jesus. In fact, Amos is a contemporary of Isaiah, who is a major prophet. You know, I'm reading the book of Isaiah right now, and it is much longer than, than Amos. Uh, Isaiah is huge. Amos is a minor prophet. And whereas, 
Whereas Isaiah is a major prophet. Isaiah is writing from Jerusalem, from the capital, from the city. Amos is just a country boy. Okay? In fact, so many of the people that we read about in the Old Testament, they're royalty or they are, uh, they are part of royalty. They're part of high society. Isaiah himself is a cousin to the king, by the way, if you didn't know that. Amos is none of those things. Amos is a shepherd. And Amos is a farmer. Well, he's not really a farmer. He's a fig picker. That's his job. Amos' job is he's a fig picker. In fact, his daddy was a fig picker. He's a fig picker and he's a fig picker's son. That's his job. That's what he does. And Amos, being from the lowest of the low, he has seen what happens when those above him, when those on the high end of society, when the wealthy just really put upon and, and oppress those down below. And that is Amos's message. That is Amos's burden. He has seen what those above can do to harm those who have nothing. And so Amos chapter 8 begins in verse 1. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Amos's vision is a fruit basket. He sees a fruit basket. And it's a wonderful thing. I mean, fruit baskets are usually a blessing, right? We give people fruit baskets when we want to make them feel welcome. When we want to encourage them, we send someone a fruit basket. It's a wonderful gift. But no, no, not this time. This fruit basket is a mockery. This vision is, a, is that the people of God have made a mockery of what He has supplied to them. Verse 2 continues, The Lord said to me, The end has come upon My people Israel. I will never pass by them again. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, declares the Lord God. So many dead bodies. They are thrown everywhere. Silence. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. These people are fed. These people are full. They've even gotten a fruit basket. They're doing pretty well. But their appetite is not for the things of God. In fact, we read on in verse 4, God goes on and says, Hear this, you who trample the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale. I think most of you get the concept of Sabbath from the Old Testament, from the Bible. Sabbath, the Sabbath was to be a day of rest. It was to be a day where you refrained from any activity. You did nothing to support yourself. It was a day to recognize what God had given you and that you relied completely on God and you took the day off. That's what the Sabbath was about. It was a day of rest. These people can't make it through 24 hours without going, when's this going to be over? Because we got grain to sell. We need to make money. When is this going to be over so that we can get back to work, so that we can go back and, and make more money, so that we can take care of ourselves and make money at any cost because they're going to trample the needy if they have to. They're going to exploit the poor if they have to. They are not hungry for the things of God. They are not hungry for righteousness. And so God pronounces judgment on them. Go on down to verses 11 and 12. God says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. 
They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east, and they shall run to and fro and seek the Word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. I want you to look again at verse 11. Does it say that the Word of the Lord is not available? No. Does it say that nobody's preaching the Word of the Lord? No. Does it say that it's not out there where you could read the Word of the Lord, you could hear the Word of the Lord? No. It says it is a, it is a famine of hearing the Word of the Lord. A famine of hearing the Word of the Lord. They don't want to hear what God has to say. They want to fill themselves up with other things. They want to make money at any cost, even if it means stepping on other people. And when they finally do, in verse 12, when they finally do turn to hear the Word of the Lord, it's gone. It's too late. And the worst part of the famine is it doesn't just affect God's people. It affects those who are placed in their care. It affects the people who mourn. It affects the poor. It affects who's taking care of them, the care that's provided to them. You see, the blessing of this beatitude is not just for us. It's for the people around us that we are called to love, the people we are called to care for. This blessing overflows when we hunger for righteousness. Those around us will be satisfied. It's not just for us. But when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, those around us will be satisfied. Righteousness is not just about salvation. Maybe you've heard in the past that someone defined righteousness as having a right relationship with God. You're in a right relationship with God. In other words, it's salvation. But it's so much more than that. Righteousness is what we pursue for the people around us, the people we encounter, the people we care for. We want our neighbors to see righteousness done. We want our friends to see righteousness done. The hunger we are, we are to have for righteousness is to see God's love and His mercy impact those around us. It's a desire for justice for those who have been trampled. And we will not be satisfied until they are satisfied. We will not be satisfied until they know God's mercy. In fact, that's where the map continues to lead us. Because the very next beatitude is, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We don't get to that next blessing of being shown mercy without acknowledging our emptiness, that we are empty, that we, have the, we finally have the good kind of hungry and that left to our own devices, we will trample on others. We will exalt ourselves. We will fill ourselves with wrong things. But rather, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. The treasure goes to them. The inheritance goes to them. They inherit the earth. And when we realize that we have nothing without Jesus, we will want His righteousness for all. When we hunger for righteousness, we will want others to be satisfied. We may have a hard time defining righteousness. I don't think any of us have a hard time recognizing unrighteousness. I think we're very familiar with what unrighteousness is. We recognize it when other people hurt. We recognize it when other people, the world just seems to run over them. Sometimes we're tempted to shut our eyes and not see the injustice around us. But we'll never satisfy this hunger until we're reaching out, until we're caring for other people, until we make sure that there really is justice for all, until all are satisfied. In Luke chapter, to take you to the Gospel of Luke for a minute, in Luke chapter 4, 
Jesus announces His ministry. He goes back to His home congregation and He preaches and He shares with them from Isaiah, contemporary again of Amos. He shares from Isaiah 61. He shares that passage and He says, I have come to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 2, His mother Mary sings her song, right? She sings her song, her Magnificat, we call it. And in in Luke chapter 2, Mary sings of God, He has filled the hungry with good things. The good kind of hunger. But He sent the rich away empty. We have a choice. We could either experience a famine of hearing the Word of God, or we can experience a feast for those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Hungry, hungry, for His Word to be alive, not just in us, but alive in other people. Alive with justice. Alive with the care that we can extend to others. Alive with righteousness. Alive with peace. And it all starts with that confession. Confession: We are empty. We have nothing within ourselves to save ourselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We have nothing within ourselves that is, that is of any good. Blessed are the meek. But you see, that's, that's the good kind of hungry. My friend Dick Miller used to have a sign hanging in his office. I always loved the sign. He had it there for years. It was a sign that explained what Christianity was all about. What the Gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. And it was so simple. And they put it in words that even I could understand. The sign simply said this, Christianity is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's it. Christianity is just one beggar Telling another beggar where to find the bread. Not that I've got all the answers. Not that we've got it all together. Not that we've finally arrived. Not that we've achieved perfection. But that blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. The very next chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, this all takes place in chapter 5. Chapter 6 we come across that Scripture that I think you're mostly very familiar with. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus says, but seek first His kingdom. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Seek first His kingdom. What's the first beatitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things, all these other things that you worry about, that you get upset about, all these other things that seem to fill your mind and occupy your day and take up so much of your energy, all of these things will be taken care of. All of these things will be added to you. And when we're seeking that for ourselves, the kingdom and the righteousness, we can't help but seek it for others. When we hunger for righteousness, those around us will be satisfied. So let's make sure we're the good kind of hungry. Let's make sure we're hungry for love. We're hungry for forgiveness. We're, hungry, we're the kind of hunger that welcomes people and cares for our neighbors. Let's make sure we're the kind of hungry that draws everyone to the table so that everyone can be satisfied. We're going to come to the table in just a moment. We're going to remember what Jesus has done for us, what He has given us. We're going to remember that with every need that we have, every hunger that we've experienced, 
He stands ready to meet those needs. He stands ready to fill us. Let's pray together and then we will sing and we'll take the Lord's Supper. Would you pray with me? And Father, there, there are hungers within us that we can't even begin to define. And yet we come to Your Word and we hear what You offer us. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who have emptied themselves of everything false, whether it be about themselves or about the way they view the world around them. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, we lay aside all of those things that we have filled ourselves with, those things that left us unsatisfied. And we seek Your presence. We seek Your Word. We seek Your love. We seek Your righteousness. Not just for ourselves, but for those that we get to touch, those that we get to speak to, those that we care for. Lord, we want to see that righteousness. We want to see Your presence and Your justice overflow into the world around us, into the lives of the people that we get to speak to and care for. And so today, we thank You for this bread. We thank You for this cup. We thank You for this reminder as small as it might be, that there is a feast for us. And there is a table prepared. And Lord, as long as we, as long as we live, as long as we can share with our neighbors, as long as we can welcome those who are hurting, there is always room at Your table for one more. Don't ever let us forget that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.